See you, kids. As we continue in our Advent series, uh, you'll see three candles lit this morning uh, as we are in week number three. Now, next week is the 19th, and so Christmas is kind of on a strange time of, on the calendar. It's on a Saturday. So we are gonna, next week is officially Christmas Sunday. And so we will light the fourth candle, and then the fifth candle in the middle we will light on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve service is at 6 p.m. on guess what day? Come on, people! The 24th, right, Christmas Eve. Uh, Friday evening, and I pray that you would come and that you would be a part of our, our Christmas Eve service here at the church. It's always a wonderful time to get together right before Christmas Day and, and celebrate you know, the reason, right, for the season, we celebrate Jesus' birth, and we sort of go back through the sands of time, and we, uh, we experience maybe just for a moment what it might have been like that holy night. But um, we have the three candles lit. Everybody ready for Christmas? Who's ready? Who's like all set? Who's like all set? We're ready for Christmas? Yeah, there's a few. I'm ready. Who's been ready since like October, right? Yeah, there's a few. Right? I, I, I know. I know some of you. Um, but it's, it's almost here. Like Christmas is like, we're, we're in the season and it's, it's the holiday season, right? We go, I don't know about you guys, but it kind of, it feels a little different this year than it did last year. Remember last year, there was so much going on, 2020 Christmas, right? It was, remember we had to do Christmas virtual, Christmas Eve, while it was awesome and a fun experience to go down uh, in, in the middle of the city and that huge, remember that last year with that huge um, crash set up behind us? It was just a wonderful time down there and, and, and it was a, a fun to kind of do that, but it was different. So this year is a little bit more different, right? So now we're kind of figuring it out this year, and we seem to be okay now. Maybe we can get back to some more traditional. We all like tradition, right? A lot of us kind of fall back on that. We, we hold that dear to us. But, you know, this year I was kind of ready for Christmas. I was just ready. Um, I saw something online, though, the other day, like, oh, it just doesn't feel like Christmas. I'm like, oh, my goodness, look around you. Turn the radio up. You know what I mean? There's a, I'm ready. I started listening to Christmas music, I don't know, right in, like, early November. I'm like, I'm ready. Halloween was over. I know Thanksgiving's in the middle there, but I am ready for Christmas this year. Let's get the familiar songs. Let's, let's hear the bells. Let's, let's get into it. It's Christmas. Now we've got the trees up. The church is decorated. Our house, we have a couple trees, and we have decorations outside. How many know the wind has been a little bit of a challenge? Anybody got some decorations? Got some new ones? I'm hoping for some new ones that blow over from somewhere. It's kind of a trading thing. Mine go down the street and I get the guys down the street. Kind of a cool thing. But, you know, we listen to Christmas music. You go into the stores now and, and you kind of hear it and there's that air of Christmas about it. Christmas stuff on display and I'm, I'm, I've just been ready. I'm, I'm good. Like we're finally in this Christmas time. Christmas music is around and there's some new stuff out for Christmas and I'm into it and it's good stuff. And it's just kind of this feel-good time of year for most of us. And, and, and it feels good because last year it was crazy. Uh, I mean, remember some of our experiences last year. I mean, we were, it was kind of fresh off of, all right, we're trying to figure this out and what's life going to look like for us now. And, and I think that in summary of last year, I found this image on Instagram this week. This sort of summarizes Christmas time last year right here. Y'all get it? Y'all see it? Christmas 2020, right there. 
Like, that's kind of what we dealt with. And you just have to think back. But, you know, we had people that were maybe in a higher risk, right? We couldn't gather. We weren't gathering really last year. We were like, what's going to happen? We, we couldn't celebrate traditionally or like we did or like we wanted to. Things were so, so, so different. And while I'm sure like you, you know, I celebrated celebrated Jesus and who Jesus is and all of that he that he's done for us during Christmas last year, but it was just kind of harder to kind of celebrate that season, if you will, and all the things that kind of go along with it. And sometimes in our lives, I think we just face certain holiday-like windows of time that are more difficult than others. Would you agree with that? We sort of have these traditions, and when, when we sometimes it's more difficult to face sort of this window of time in the holidays. And I know some of you have been through some real, real, real heartache and real, real hard times and loss and it's some of you that's followed you sort of through your life and it's been hard and you're maybe facing the fact that this holiday season and some seasons are just harder some some seasons are just kind of it's harder to find joy in the season and Whatever that looks like for your life. Maybe you've recently moved and you feel a little bit disconnected from people uh, around you or from an environment around you. It's just unfamiliar and that can make it hard to sort of settle in and find joy in the season. Or some of you, not you in this room, but you might know somebody who might have some family drama going on, right? Not you guys. I mean, people you might know might have some family drama going on this time of year. And, you know, some people are sort of out there and they have these issues. And, you know, there's, there's issues with family. There's issues with this person or that person. And there's dynamics going on all over the place, maybe with the in-laws or the outlaws or who's traveling, who's traveling where. And there's tension about who's bringing what, who's coming, who's not, who's cooking what, who's baking this and not baking that. And, and maybe you just came out of Thanksgiving, right? And you thought, you know what? That was enough. Like, Thanksgiving was enough. And I'm kind of done. I'm ready to sort of cruise into Christmas. I'm not, I mean, I'm done. Like, Thanksgiving was enough. You're just kind of, we did that, and we're good. But we're kind of finished. So I think, well, we all know that what it is to face certain seasons and find it harder to experience this big word that's behind me, enjoy. And I want to bring some encouragement your way this morning, if I could, if you'll allow me, because you can find joy in the season, because there's joy in the reason. You can find joy in the season because there is joy in the reason, and that joy is found in Christ Himself. In fact, today, I sort of want to tee it up by looking not at the first Christmas story, and but what I, what I mean by that is not really looking at the, the moment of Jesus' birth, but let's back it up a little bit. I want to look at the Christmas story before the Christmas story this morning. Because if you look at the, at the Gospel of Luke, uh, one of the four biographies, basically, of Jesus and his life, in chapter 1, you'll find that it actually begins the Christmas story, not talking about Jesus himself, or the birth, but a couple other people. And, and Zechariah... And Elizabeth. So we have Zechariah and Elizabeth. And some of you have never heard of these people. and have no idea who I'm even referring to. But the Christmas story in Luke kind of weaves back and forth like an, like an ancient script, like a Hollywood script. 
And the, it, the story in the beginning in Luke weaves back and forth. The way it plays out, it starts with the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then it'll go into the story of Mary and Joseph, or Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then it goes back to Elizabeth, and then kind of goes back to Mary, then back to Elizabeth, and then, so, and then you have the birth of Zechariah and Elizabeth's child, John the Baptist, and then you have the birth of Jesus, and it's like this weaving back and forth of the story beginning in the Gospel of Luke. So Luke chapter 1 sort of sets up Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're, now these two people are godly individuals. So Zechariah is a priest. And they live in kind of a countryside setting and sort of outside all the inner city and the hubbub. And they, they love God. They follow God. And, and there's, but there's one challenge that kind of hangs over them. We see it come up in the scriptures often. And this is a big struggle in the biblical time and in Bible, uh, Bible people and Bible stories and accounts. Zechariah and Elizabeth have never been able to have children. And it was a huge burden for them and they kind of carried it. And they had prayed again and again that God would bring a child into their life and that hadn't happened yet. And then you layer on to that the simple fact that for 400 years, God had basically been silent. And if you look at the conclusion of the Old Testament, you have the prophet Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi spoke, and then for 400 years, there's basically silence. No prophets. God's not sending special, unique communication and words through the prophets to his people. There are promises, however, that a Savior would come. That Messiah would come. And those promises are kind of hanging out there, but there are no real prophets coming. There's no real word from God. And so you layer all that onto that, and I can imagine that that first holiday season, if you will, that time that came about with Zechariah and Elizabeth, they had plenty of reason to be discouraged. God hadn't spoken. They were sort of out there. They hadn't been able to have a, have a child. And they're, they're struggling with that. and not sure about how they were supposed to be feeling about that season in their life. And so something amazing then begins to happen. See, Zechariah, and if you read the account, Zechariah kind of wins sort of the priestly lottery almost. And he's, he's, they draw his name. And, and it's like the unbelievable happens. He gets to go to the big city, to Jerusalem, and he gets to go to the temple, and he gets to be the guy, the priest, who gets to go behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies into the inner temple area and light the incense. It's a, it's a huge honor for Zechariah. Probably the greatest honor of his entire lifetime. He's just an everyday average priest going about his priestly duties and being raising his family. And he kind of was like, wow, they, they picked me. This is huge for Zechariah, right? He gets to do this. He gets to light the incense. And the incense represents the prayers of the people of Israel to God. And so he literally gets to go to the place where the presence of God is in that day and literally, and pray for the people of Israel, a huge honor of a lifetime for this country priest. And so he goes to the big city of Jerusalem, he goes to the temple, he goes in, he goes behind the curtain, he lights the incense, the Bible says, an angel appears to him. This is the same angel that would later appear to Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
And the angel basically breaks it down for him. And let's, let's look at it in Luke chapter 1. We'll start in verse 13. And in verse 13, everybody have it, say amen. amen. Uh, that's a lot of you, good. Just tracking with me. Verse 13, when we get to the red word, let's say it together. Here we go, verse 13. The angel says, don't be afraid, Zechariah. By the way, when the angels show up, and you've heard me say this before, like they almost always, the first thing they say, don't be afraid. Anytime someone says, don't be afraid, you know there's a reason to be afraid. Right? Like somebody in a dark alley, don't be afraid. Like I'm running, I'm afraid. Thank you for that. But don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. I mean, what a cool sentence right there. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Remember, Zechariah has just lit the incense and prayed right then. So this is a real time. Not God has heard your prayers, but God has heard your prayer, Zechariah. Like right now, boom, the angel comes in. Don't be afraid. Zechariah gets afraid. But he says, you know what? Remember all the times that you've prayed and pour out your heart to have an angel like come and refer and say, you know what? Hey, God heard your prayer. Whoa. He says, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. Verse 14. And you will have great joy. Great joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. 15. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. See, even the Christmas story before the Christmas story talks about joy, is about joy and gladness and rejoicing. So even if the season is very, very heavy for some of you, even if you're not quite feeling it right now, even if a loved one is, is currently struggling with something in the hospital or an illness or currently right now, you can still find joy because there is joy in the reason for the season. And that joy is not, hear me, that joy is not only Jesus, right, in this season, but it's actually the heart of God toward His people. And the first way we find joy in the season is to simply rejoice in God's promises. How do we find this joy? We're dealing with stuff. There's stuff going on. It's hard. Rejoice in God's promises. And I'm going to encourage you, the next couple weeks, just be conscientious about rejoicing in God's promises. I mean, right now, right, there's a lot of promises going on in some homes, right? Because... Kids are making a lot of lists right now, right? They're making lists. And they're checking, hoping someone checks it twice and figures out if they've been naughty or nice. I mean, there's a lot of kids going on. It's, and, you know, the, the guy with the bag is coming, so you better, you know, better watch out. You know all that stuff that goes along with this time of year. And I don't know about your kids, but, you know, more and more as, as kids get older... The list gets shorter and shorter, and now it just says cash. In my list, cash. Just give me cash. I found a couple of funny lists online I would share with you this morning uh, of sort of Dear Santa notes. Um, I like this one. Dear Santa, I don't want all the other nine 
nine things on the list I sent to my father, quote, dad, you know, Princey's dad. I only want the puppy. Every time I think about not getting a puppy, it makes me sadder and sadder. Frowny face. I just want one little puppy. Just one. All I am asking for is one little puppy. Perhaps a Labrador. German Shepherd or a Husky. Thank you if I discover a puppy in a box under the, under the tree. Love, Emily. Just a pu- Oh, I've whittled it down. I don't want the other nine things. Nine, in case you didn't know. I want the puppy. Here's one more. This is great. This one is great. Dear Santa, you better bring my pony this year or there will be consequences. I mean, that's it. That's the list. How long has this kid been asking for a pony? Probably lives in an apartment in New York. You better bring my pony this year. Hilarious. But kids sort of hang on to this time of year the, to the, the Christmas promise, right? What's going to happen? What am I going to get sometimes, right? These kids. And we, but we, we have more than that. We have the promises of God that, we can, that can give us strength. That's the promise in the season and really in all seasons, that the promises of God that can see us through even the most difficult times and situations and seasons. I mean, when the angel says to Zechariah that God has heard his prayers, in the original language, the idea here is that God literally heard the prayer that he just prayed. And we don't know the prayer that he had just prayed, but traditionally, when you're in that moment, and the priest, and and he lights the incense, he would have prayed for the people of Israel. He would have prayed for the coming Messiah or Savior who was to come. And this all is the beginning of that story, is this moment when this angel appears to Zechariah. But in many ways, it's surprising, because God says, look, I've heard your prayer now, like right now. Maybe even prayers that you've prayed a thousand times, Zechariah, because remember him and Elizabeth have been praying and they wanted to have a child they hadn't been able to. So now he hears this angel say, I've, God has heard your prayer. And, and that this is, now maybe this is going to happen. Maybe he even prayed that in the middle of lighting those incense. Prayed for all the people of Israel and the Messiah. And God, by the way, here am I again. The angel shows up and he says, okay, done. God heard your prayer. And you're going to have a child, the angel says. It's going to happen. And here's the thing, if God decides it, it's done. Can we agree on that this morning? That if God decides it, it's going to happen. If God promises it, it's going to happen. It may not happen in our time frame, but it will happen. If God protects it, then it's safe. If God directs it, it will come to pass. If God declares it, no one can reverse it. Listen, if God blesses it, nothing can delay it. If God speaks, you will hear it. If He forgives, there's no accusation that will stand against it. If God adopts, then nothing else can claim it. If God speaks a word, it can't be silenced. If God shuts a mouth, it cannot be opened. In fact, that's exactly what God does. 
In the midst of this moment, the angel shows up. God's heard your prayer, Zechariah. You're going to have a child. Zechariah says, how can I be sure? Well, you can read it for yourself. He's like, how can I be sure? The angel's kind of offended by this. The angel's like, because I represent the king of kings and the lord of lords. How can I be sure? The angel's right there. Don't be afraid. That whole moment. The angel says, you know what? You won't be able to speak again until what I have said comes to pass. And so Zechariah goes in this awesome moment. He lights the candle, the incense and all that. And he walks out and he's like, he just did all that. He comes out and he goes, he can't even tell what the thing that just happened. There's no voice. He's lost his voice. And it's kind of an object lesson for Zechariah. Don't doubt the promise of God. Do not doubt the promise of God. Without them, not only do we not have hope, but we actually, without the promises of God, and if we doubt the promises of God, we actually lose our voice. Listen, we lose our voice, not literally. But we have the promises of God in our present time, in our lives. We can hold tight to the promises of God in our hearts right now. A few of His promises, these, these we have the promise of the presence of God. The promise of the presence of God. That He will show up in your circumstances. The most often promise, mentioned promise in the whole Bible, God says that God says, I will be with you. His presence is with us. It is with us when we're hurting. God's presence. We have the promise of His presence. He's with us. He's with us when it's hard. He's with us when our kids are crazy. He's with us when our grandkids are crazy or when our kids are hurting. He's with us. He's with us in health crisis. He's with us in transition from this life to the next. His presence is the promise. We have His presence and the reality is that the, the thing that is bigger than all things is His presence in our lives. You read through the Bible from the beginning to the end. It's really all about the presence of God, God being with His people. This series is all called God with us. Emmanuel. Heaven itself is going to be this amazing place, but the ultimate promise and the precursor to heaven is that God is there in a unique way and we are in His presence here. And so the promise we have, the promise of His presence, we also have the promise of the Spirit of God. The Bible says that we place our faith and trust in Jesus. God's Spirit comes to dwell within us in a unique way. God's Spirit produces some things in our life. If you read the book of Galatians, God's Spirit produces things in our life. Like like joy and love and faith and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and things that we really want in our lives, God's Spirit can move and work in our life. It's alive inside. He's alive inside us. And it's not just about the Spirit of Christmas, right? No, it's not that. You've got to have the Spirit of God in your life. That's a promise. And when you lean into the Spirit of God in your life, even when it's hard, you find a reservoir of strength and joy to push forward even in the hardest of times. We also have the promise of God. We have the promise of His Spirit, His presence. We have the promise of eternal life. Which reminds us that life is short. And life is fragile. 
And we don't know how many days we're going to have left. But we live with an awareness that whether it's this life or the next, our faith grounds us that we are secure in Him. We are secure. We have eternity to spend with God. Jesus Himself taught that He was going to prepare a place for us. Remember that in the Scripture? He's been working on that place for a couple thousand years now. It's got to be good by now. Come on. It's a good... He's, he's going to prepare a place. If God created the heavens and the earth in seven days, a couple of thousand years for Him to prepare that place, I can't wait to see that place. But we have this promise of eternal life. God's promises give us this sense of joy. Even when things are extremely challenging... You know what the name of Zach, the name Zachariah actually means? It means God remembers. That's what Zechariah actually means. You may have forgotten what you've prayed for all of those years ago and given up on that, but God remembers. Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed and prayed and prayed for all kinds of things, but at the forefront of every prayer and in the backdrop of every meeting they've, they've had with God has been this idea that we really wish we, we, we could have a child. But God remembers. You may have forgotten what actually brings you joy. But God remembers. You may have forgotten what you really want. But God remembers. You may have forgotten, you know, even what you're good at. You may have forgotten your value. You may have forgotten your purpose. But God remembers. You may have forgotten what really matters. But God remembers. You may have forgotten His promises to be with you and guide you and help you and save you, to grow you, to love you, to give you a hope and a future. But God remembers. And the Bible says that even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. It says that God, He cannot deny who He is. Even when you forget God, He remembers you. And so my encouragement, both to myself and to you over these next couple of weeks, is every day when you wake up, the very first thing before you hit your, your feet hit the floor, just pause for a moment and remember, before you got all those, if you're, how many are like me? The moment the alarm goes off and you sit up, the day starts running through your head. I mean, it just starts. I mean, my eyes are open for less than 20 seconds. All right, I got to get this today. I got to remember that. Oh, I forgot to do this. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to call this person now. I'm going to figure this out. I got to do this. I, gotta... I mean, it's still dark. My feet have not hit the floor. They're hanging over the edge. And the day is already racing through my mind. Try. I'm going to make a conscious effort. Try, try, try to pause and just remember for a moment how good God is. Just rejoice in that moment and say, you know what? Thank you, God. I opened my eyes this morning. And it may be hard and it may be a struggle and, and I don't know how I'm going to get through. It might be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever is going to happen, it's, it's on its way. Here comes the train of thoughts. Before that train comes through the station, remember the goodness of God and remember His promises. And you say, what? Well, thank you, God. I'm going to live in those promises today. Here's another thought from the Christmas story before the Christmas story. 
that is, if you want to experience joy this holiday, this Advent season, uh, rejoice also, rejoice with others. Rejoice with others. So Zechariah and Elizabeth go back and basically she becomes pregnant and they share that with their friends. And here's what we read further on in Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 58. It says this, it says, And when their neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. They all celebrated in what God had done in their life. So joy is one of those things that the more you share it and celebrate it in the life of others, the more it's in your own life. It sort of comes back. The more you celebrate and encourage other people, and and anybody that has been around or walking around for a while and have practiced this can testify to this. It comes back. And I know some of you aren't really feeling any joy this holiday season. I understand. But hear me, church, the more you give joy and share the joy with others, the more likely that joy is going to come back and impact your own heart and your own life. And sometimes what we get to do, what we've got to do, is get the focus off how we feel and get the focus on helping other people feel better. And then we'll find that all of a sudden, we start to feel better in that process. I mean, the more you share joy, the more you have joy. That's kind of how it works. And so this season is sort of a great time to focus on being kind to someone at work. Go the extra mile for a family member or friend. Maybe adopt a family in your own family's life and say, you know what? This particular family, we're going to get around them. We're going to help. We're going to, and I'm not just talking about those that, that are obviously, you know, hurting financially. Like we've supported a few families in our church and helped out with, you know, Christmas gifts and prayer and all of that. But, you know, looked at your left and to your right. You know what? Is there someone in the, in the, in the midst that, you know, could use some encouragement from you, some joy from you, some, some an arm around or a fist, I don't know what we're doing now, a, a happy wave, I don't know. Whatever we're doing. But is there someone, you guys, you know, maybe your family would gather around and say, you know what, I really like Randy. Maybe we should gather around Randy and like, just bless him this year. You know, just, just pick someone. Just pick someone. Pick a family and say, you know what, that, and it could be anonymous, and that's the best, that's the funnest one. But you know what? You're going to share what God has provided in your life. Whatever it may be. Maybe it's it's leveraging your time or your resources to help the community or whatever it is. Someone that really needs help. Maybe someone that God just lays on your heart. It's not going to be you, Randy. I'm sorry. But it may be someone else. We, We kid because we love. That's what we do. But you want to help someone, get someone on your mind. Rejoice with others. God knows. He, he'll put someone on your heart. Rejoice. He'll sort it out. He'll, he'll say, you know what? The Bible says sometimes we, we don't need to let our left hand know what the right hand is doing, right? Just bless someone. Don't say anything. If you're good to others and generous with what God has given you, it makes a huge difference. And it's one of the reasons I get excited about supporting different things and supporting the Willow Women's Center at Christmas time, right? My prayer is that the people would show up and people would be generous and would say, you know what, they're doing work over there that is kingdom work. 
And people maybe will go there and say, hey, hey, ladies at Willow, I'd like to pray for you. Pray for you. One from down the road at GSN, just can I pray for you? Just stop by and pray for them. I'll tell you, they would be over the moon if someone did that. It's, it's an amazing feeling when you just kind of walk in. Someone walk in and say, you want to pray for, for us? All right. My prayer is that people can't really show up here in this place at General Shepherd. They can't really show up and not get the sense that, man, these people are full of joy. Like, this is different. They've got a lot of love for one another, and that's a rare thing. And where does that all come from? It, it comes from being, in part, from being a generous community that gives back to our community in significant ways throughout the year, gives to one another. I mean, the, the support and the love that comes. I tell people all the time, especially the church board here, it is not like this in other places. It is not like this. The joy that comes from this place, the generosity, the care, the loving as spirit that comes from this gathering of God's people, it's not like this everywhere. There's a cycle of generosity that happens within our community. And we ought to rejoice in that with others. When we bless others, God tends to bring it back around. And it was Jesus who reminded us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so this Advent season, one way we can find joy is to push against the feeling of me, me, I, I, I got to get this feeling of greed in our own, and that's what it is, in our own hearts. And to push against the constant and incessant never ending of I need to get, I deserve, and this is about me. That, 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 that incessant, oh, I need more, i got to get, and we have to have the latest. And, but to think about how we can bless someone else, bless a group of kids, bless some others, be generous back to God for kingdom work, to do something significant, and that might be a big step in fa- of faith in your, on your part. But if we're trying to get this sense of joy, and how can we get it, we don't feel it, rejoice with others. You'll get this intangible gift of having blessed someone else and made a difference in their life. We can share what God has given to us in our community. And I say all that about our community of believers, our family. And that includes y'all joining us online. It includes everyone sitting in this room and those that you know that couldn't be here or aren't here right now. It's a great time of year. Christmas is the time, like I said, we're, we're Jesus followers. This is our time. This is our opportunity to shine. And it's a great time. Grab some invite cards on your way out the door this morning and invite someone. Hey, we're, you can come up. It's real easy now. Christmas is here. Christmas Eve service is coming. It's that time of year. It's not like it's some random weekend in March when you say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? No, you have a reason. Where are you, what are you guys doing for Christmas Eve? Oh, I don't really know. Hey, why don't you come to our church? We're having a Christmas Eve service. Love to have you. Love to pour out some love on you. Whatever you want to say. Don't say anything like that. That's creepy. But you just give them an invite card. Don't be creepy. Give them an invite card and say, you know what? Why don't you come? Why don't you come? And they come and they have, maybe they have kids and our kids can graft their kids. And we just wrap our arms around people. It's a perfect time of year. You don't need a reason. You don't, it's not weird. It's Christmas time. And you, and you know the Creasters will come. Y'all know who the Creasters are? The Christmas and Easter people? They're going to go somewhere. Why not invite them? Why not invite them? 
They're going to hear a word. They're going to hear something. And they're going to maybe make a decision to follow Jesus. Because of one little card that you could just say, hey, why don't you come to our Christmas Eve service? This is where we are. Here's the address, the time. Six o'clock, come on out. It's a great time to do that. You have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to be intentional about that in the next couple weeks. A couple days, really. But how are you guys spending Christmas? Hey, why don't you come? Because I told you before how the math works, right? You invite them, because they're not hearing the word mostly on the street. They're not hearing the, the word, the, the, the love of Christ. They're not hearing that out there too much. Can I get a witness? But when you bring people to a place where we do preach the word, they'll hear the word and maybe possibly hear words from God the Holy Spirit himself that will change their eternity and change their life. Not that it can't happen through individuals out there, but it happens every week here. You can kind of come here. Bring them in. If you're too shy, do want, want to say nothing, just invite them. They'll hear the word here. They'll hear the word here. I've always been inspired by a quote that has actually mostly been, uh, give, the credit's been given to Mother Teresa, but I found out that it's having, actually not that. The website tra- traces this quote all the way back. Um, it's, it's actually a website where the internet quotes and memes come from, and you don't really want to go there unless it kind of ruins things for you. But uh, apparently a college student wrote this. Great, right? But it's way better if you think that Mother Teresa wrote it. So it's powerful, and it gets, I think, to how we can get the most joy out of the season with others. And this is what apparently this college student wrote. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're honest, people might cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you have anyway. For you see, in the end, it's between you and God. And it was never between you and them anyway. Sometimes when you share joy, people may not respond. They might be crabby or selfish or grinchy. Share joy anyway. If you want more joy in your life, share more joy. Here's a third thought. Rejoice in grace. Rejoice in grace. So Elizabeth finally brings this child to term, and usually about eight days or so after the child is born, they have a special ceremony that they would all be invited to uh, for circumcision. And this would often be where the child is named at this ceremony. And you can read about it in the early portion of the book of Luke. But they get everybody together, the family's all there, friends, all the people, and they're going to name the child. And Elizabeth says, the child is going to be named John. And the family doesn't like that. They're like, what, John? Who's John? We don't have a John in our family. You can't, there's no John here. You've got a name in, like, maybe name him after his father, Zechariah. And maybe name him something else. And now we have family drama. (laughs) 
So I'm just saying, if you have family drama during the holiday season, it's biblical, actually. It goes all the way back to the beginning. They're all, everybody's upset now, what's going on? And they finally get Zechariah in the conversation. And remember, Zechariah, he can't even talk. Zechariah's got to get something to write with. And it's all recorded there in the book of Luke. And he writes down, his name is John. And then immediately the Bible says he's able to speak. Let me read it to you. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 30, or 63. Follow along. He, men- he motioned for a writing tablet. Give me something to write on. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began what? Praising God. The first thing he did when he could speak is he praised God. I love that because, look, there's, there's a word for some of us here this morning. You want your speech, the things you say, to matter more? Praise God first. You want your influence to grow in your family or your job or your friendships? Praise God first. You want your prayers to be effective? Praise God first. You want more love, joy, peace in your life? Praise God first. You want to get your priorities straight. Praise God first. You're inviting Him into whatever comes next is what you're doing. And if we started every morning until Christmas with just a sentence or two of praise to God and acknowledging who He is and what what He's done, I think joy would be a little easier to find. So Zechariah praises God. He gives thanks. And it says everybody's in awe. They're in awe for a lot of reasons. Obviously, all that God is doing here, they're like, wow, this is amazing. But ultimately, I think a lot of it just gets encapsulated when he says, his name is John. Why is it John? Well, the word, the name John actually means the Lord is graceful. He's gracious to His people. And it's the grace of God that can ultimately bring joy when everything else feels like it's coming unglued. God's grace. God's grace, remember, technically means God's undeserved favor and forgiveness in our lives. That's God's grace. And Christmas reminds us that because of what Jesus did, we can walk forgiven and free because we have understand, we have understood that we have undeserved favor. Grace means that even though you may feel unlovable, God has great love for you. Grace means that even though you may have failed, God still wants to use you. Grace means that even though others may overlook you, God sees your worth. Great, I'm going to read that one again. Grace means that even though others may overlook you, God sees your worth. Grace means that even though you've turned your back on God, He has never turned His back on you. That's grace. Grace means that even though you may be completely ashamed of some of the things that you have done. God is still proud to call you His child. That's grace. Grace means that even though you deserve the worst, God wants to give you His best. Even though you mess things up, He can lift you up. Grace means that even though you've sabotaged your future, God can give you a new purpose. 
Grace means that even though your life is hard, you can laugh again, love again, live again, find joy again, because grace means that you get the more in your life. Grace means you get more than you deserve. Grace means that you get more blessing, more honor, more worth, more reward, more praise, more glory. That's grace. You don't deserve it. It's God's undeserved favor. Jesus ultimately told His followers, don't be afraid because it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. It gives God great happiness to bless you. It gives God great happiness. Not because we're the best. It's not because of where we've come from or what we've done. It's because God is gracious. He's gracious and God is good. So that child, John, the Lord is gracious, would grow and would develop. And we read about him in the biographies of Jesus in the Gospels. He becomes this powerful figure. And his role was this, to prepare the way for Jesus, right? We remember the story of John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus to go ahead of him and prepare the way of the Lord. That's what John does. And he preaches the message and he baptizes people. And John's message was repent for the kingdom of God is near. How could they repent because of all they've done? Because John, the Lord is gracious, has said so. He declares, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He leverages all of his influence that he has, John, to point to him. And then he says this famous statement, and we'll close with this. He must increase. I must decrease. John says, look, it's really all about Jesus. And he prepares the way for him so that when Jesus finally came to a place where it was time for to be baptized, remember that in the scriptures? He walked many, many miles to be baptized in the Jordan River by who? John. After all, his last name was the Baptist. <laughs> Nothing. You can imagine, but John's like, no, 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 whoa, hold on. Like, you need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, this is how it's supposed to be, John. So John went ahead and prepared the way and has, has gone ahead of, of Jesus. And now Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. Jesus has prepared the way. Our role for many people is still like John the Baptist. We prepare the way for other people to meet the one, the Christ. We prepare the way through our faith, through, through our just showing up in people's lives, through, through just showing up at church on a Sunday, being a witness to your neighbor, or fr- friends, neighbors. Eventually people start to put it together. Maybe, maybe I should go to church or something. I don't know. But then and they go through hard things. And, and who do they call when they need someone to pray for them? Whose door do they knock on when they need a prayer in their life? You might be surprised when they're like, hey, hey, you go to church, right? We prepare the way for people to see Jesus by how we live. And we prepare the way by pointing to Jesus. Because what John the Baptist said in many ways is what I think we all should be saying in our life, which is, I must decrease. 
He must increase. And we can say to people who are struggling, especially during this time of year, we can say to people, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I must decrease, He must increase. It's that posture. I can't see that leading, leading to anything other than surrender and joy and more joy. And as we point to Jesus, which is what Christmas is all about, you can find joy in the season because there's joy in the reason. Amen? I want to have the worship team come back up. We're going to sing a familiar song to many of you. A song of joy as we close and as we leave. Don't forget, uh, today, tonight, the Christmas dinner. It's a wonderful, wonderful time to gather together, to spend time with friends and family and all of that. Thank you. But don't forget that Christmas dinner tonight. And right after service is when the preparations for that Christmas dinner start. <laughs> so if, if people are trying to... And, and it happens, that Christmas dinner, for those that don't know, it happens right in this room. We transform this sanctuary. And, and we have tables to set up and chairs to move and um, all kinds of things to happen. So as you're gathering and leaving, um, just look behind you because there may be some people, excuse us, excuse us, excuse us. And if you're able... To stay and help, maybe move a few things, we'll give you good direction and, and you'll have a place to, uh, to serve there. Um, we'll handle it and we'll get it all moved out and we'll do all that in preparation for this evening. It takes a small village. Um, we have well, well over 100 people that have responded to the dinner and even more than that I think will end up showing up. So um, just be aware as you leave. And I've done my housekeeping for my brother Dave and his crew for after service. So just be aware behind you, uh, to, to next to you and beside you, that there may be some chairs coming through, some things being moved behind you. So just be aware of that. And if you can stay, that'd be great to give us a hand. But we're going to sing this morning uh, a very familiar song. Um, and if you would stand in response, and, and we'll just sing and, and uh, we'll be dismissed. All right, here we go.
Father, we thank you for meeting us in this place this morning, God. Lord, help us to find the joy in this season. Help us, Lord, through the difficult times to find the inner joy. Find the joy, Lord, to experience your love with others and your love, God, for us in your presence. And God, help us to rejoice in your grace. I pray, Lord, that as we take this word home with us, Lord, and we gather together tonight, I hope in the in-between time from now until this evening, God, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds. And that, God, we would not be the same as when we came in this place this morning. That, God, somehow through the translation of your word by the Holy Spirit to hearts, that, Lord, we would hear from you. And that if we are having a hard time, Lord, finding the joy in this season, we would be able to find that inner joy, God, that only comes from you. Help us, Lord, to remember those who are struggling. And, God, if you've spoken to individuals' hearts this morning, God, I pray that people would not leave here with unsettled business with you. That, God, if you have spoken to an individual this morning in this place, that, Lord, they would seek you with all of their heart. And, God, if you have spoken to someone in this place who this concept of joy and, God, this concept of grace and rejoicing is foreign to them, I pray, Lord, that they would seek your your heart and seek your face and realize, Lord, that you came to this earth as a baby. You left this earth as the Savior and the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that, God, individuals in this place, listening and watching online, would be able, Lord, to receive that this morning. And, God, I would be remiss we close this service without giving someone an opportunity to receive that truth this morning. So God, as we close in prayer this morning, with no one looking around for embarrassing times or shameful or God, it's it's, it's all about you and them. God, if you're speaking to an individual's heart this morning that wants to start a relationship or get closer to you, that God, without anybody looking around or, or looking sideways at anybody else, this is between you and them. God, we want to pray for them. So God, if they would acknowledge that this morning, I pray you would speak to their hearts. And if that's you this morning, in this service, you know that you know that God is speaking and dealing with you. No one's looking around or going to judge you. You're just going to say, you know what, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I need this relationship you're talking about. I need this, this joy you're talking about. I need this grace that you're talking about. I don't know that right now. If you'd like that in your life, This is your time. This is your moment to respond and just raise your hand to me and say, you know what, Pastor? It's between you and I and God. I need that in my life starting now. This year is going to be different from this moment forward. If that's you, raise your hand, make eye contact with me, whatever you have to do. Just say, you know what, Pastor? That's me. I need it. I need him. Just slip your hand up and say, I need him and I need to experience this love that he has for me. You are not forgotten. God knows and he knows you and he loves you and wants that relationship with you. One more time I will ask. If it's all settled, then don't worry about it. But if you have something between you and him, now's the time. All hearts and minds clear. Father, we thank you for this time we can gather together. Be near those, God, who need your nearness and your closeness during this time. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. 
We can't wait to see what you're about to do, Lord. Bring us all back tonight for a wonderful time at 5 p.m., Lord, for the Christmas dinner and help us to show the community God's love through our love for you and our love for one another. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen.